Today's episode is sponsored by none other than Study Notes ABA. If you love the bitches, you would probably love studying with us too. We're fun AF. We break the shit down for you. We make it real, relatable, and raw. I mean, what else could you want from study prep? We go from class one to class 20, and we cover the entire task list in a way any average Joe or Jane can understand. If you want to know more about Study Notes ABA, hop in on a class, get a mock from us, get a mini mock from us, get a math and shit packet, whatever you want. Go to www.studynotesaba.com. It's behavior bitches. Hey guys, it's Liat and Casey, and we're back. And guess what? It is 2020, and we are on episode 31. Talk about hashtag goals. Casey, what's the rhyme for today? 31. 31. Let's have some friggin' fun. I think we're going to have some fun with our guest today. We are ready. I think he's actually ready to, ready to kill us because we have taken so long from the actual starting time to when we pl- are actually getting started, but that's okay. Um, so episode 31 is super exciting. We're here. I can't believe it. You know where to find us. Behavior Bitches Podcast on Instagram, Behavior Bitches Podcast on Facebook, www.behaviorbitches.com. And you could always support us on Patreon, which we would love you oh so freaking much. Patreon.com slash Behavior Bitches Podcast. Literally as low as $2 a month. All right, Casey, let's get to our review of the day. You know we like to start with some pairing of reinforcement for ourselves. Get us some behavior momentum. Let's go. All right. So I found this one. This was a, a direct message on Instagram, um, which I was begging her. I'm like, go put that on Apple Podcasts, please. That would be wonderful. It's from Rachel underscore Ubernoski. After taking a psych class in college, I got really interested in behavior. Then I found y'all's podcast and absolutely love it. I am not even going to school to be a behavior analyst, but I enjoy listening to the podcast because I am now realizing that understanding and acknowledging behavior is very important for every person. So yes. that I would right. give y'all some positive reinforcement and say that y'all are great and keep up the good work. I love listening in every week. Oh Thank you, God. Rachel. And I love your little y'all accent. So I can do that too. Y'all. I'm so thank you, Rachel. We appreciate it more than you know. Um, it's awesome for people. That was a main goal of this podcast was to spread the science to not only people in the field, but people, um, everyday life. Cause it's human behavior, baby. And dog behavior and any behavior of living organisms, you know how it goes, but okay. So today we're really excited because if you're an ABA nerd at all, and you follow any of the social media stuff, like who do you follow on social media? You better be following study notes, ABA, and you better be following behavior bitches podcast, but you sure as shit better be following the real behavior man. You guys might know he is not the fake behavior man. He is the real behavior man. Also known as Dia Ascari. We are so excited to have him here and let's, let's go. Okay. 
So Casey, can you give us a little intro on yeah. the behavior? You know man? Yes. So today, guys, we are so excited to have the real behavior man. Um, so Dia is originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Alan, our show host producer, is also. So this is exciting for him. He went to undergrad OMG. at Kent State of University in Ohio. He got his master's in psychology with a specialization in ABA from Nova Southeastern University in Davie, Florida. So since 2013, he um, has been working by day as a BCBA in Miami. He recently opened his own practice called Mighty Heroes, which is awesome. By, I love that By name. night, he works as an ABA and science disseminator through memes and humor, a.k.a. Behavior Man. I really want to insert the Trojan Man like song for him <laughs> for, you know, like Behavior Man. But he didn't want it. So anyways, what's up, Dia? How's it going? Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for the introduction. It was great. And it's Dia Ascari. So Ascari. Ascari. And that's actually like a really uh, American way to pronounce it. I'm not even great at pronouncing my name correctly in like Arabic, but. Give it a fine. shot. Did I? Uh, yeah, I'd rather not. Because <laughs> I'll probably get it wrong. Wait, so I did say your last name wrong still? I think so. I think the first time you said it wow. correctly. <laughs> and then the second, it, it's not even a big deal. My name's been mispronounced. No, it is. no it's <laughs> honestly, it's not. It becomes a conversation starter. Look at this. We're talking about it now. And I already got the drop that I'm Arabic. So, or, you know, like it's. Look at that. You got it out of the way. Segment. Introduction. We're getting really diving right into your kitchen sink here. So, there we go. Welcome to the Behavior Bitches podcast, and we are pumped for this episode. We have spent, I don't know, months and months probably trying to get him on the show, and we've had two like one-hour phone calls um, trying to figure out what we really wanted this topic to be about. Um, and first, I want maybe, Dia, could you just tell us, shoot more of your background, talk to the people about, you know, how Behavior Man came, how you wanted to get into this, you know, dissemination of ABA in a humor way yeah Humorous. so yeah yeah um well i'm from pittsburgh pennsylvania went to kent ohio um and then because of the snow moved to florida for graduate school didn't know exactly what i wanted to do so i started a master's in psychology because i knew i wanted to help people and probably children um and then i wanted to get my phd in psychology so what I was trying to do, and at the time I was a broke grad student, so I needed to make some money. So trying to find a job, I'm like looking at every job, like being a server or whatever, but also keeping in mind, I'm trying to get my PhD, maybe something that could help that. I go on Craigslist, I see an ad for autism therapist. So I, uh, I applied to it because I'm like, that's going to look great on a resume. And um, honestly, I did not know what applied behavior analysis was at the time, even though I was getting my master's in psychology. So I literally went on Wikipedia uh, like figured out what applied behavior analysis was very quickly, go into the interview, start quoting what I read on Wikipedia. Uh, it did a really good job <laughs> in the interview, I guess, but uh, it was pretty funny and got the job. And um, once I started seeing what they were doing, like I didn't have this full understanding of what autism really was. I kind of just knew what it was based on movies and a little bit what I read in, uh, in the start of my master's program. But um when I started seeing these children who I otherwise thought wouldn't have a future, start learning so quickly, really enjoying the therapy, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And Nova had a program in ABA. So I just uh, enrolled with that. And then the rest is history. I didn't want to, I didn't end up getting my PhD because I got my master's degree, got a job, started making money. And then to go back and get my PhD, something I still want to do, but it would just be really difficult at this point. So, um, and then how did I get the behavior man? Well, 
I went to my first ABAI and one of the presentations, Behavior Bay was talking about um, ABA dissemination ethics. And she mentioned how we all need to disseminate. And she also mentioned memes. And I'm like, hey, I like memes and I want to disseminate. So that's kind of where Behavior Man was born. And it was also born from like, I took pride in what I did. And I felt like everyone we talked to out there had no idea what behaviorism was or behavior analysis or ABA and all the wonderful things it can do and the full extent of our science. And even the people who did know what ABA was, they literally just thought it was for autism. And that frustrated me a little bit. So I'm like, okay, what can I do to change this? So I started the page, started getting some momentum. People really liked memes. And yeah, so now I have a bunch of people who just follow the memes. So it originally started on Facebook and it's facebook.com slash behavior man. And then on Instagram, it's the real behavior man um, because behavior man was taken. The behavior man was taken. So I didn't know what to do. And then I was like Googling alternatives and people usually put like the real. So I did that. It's not some pretentious thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't want it to be. So uh, that's kind of how that started. So I'm on multiple platforms. Yeah. I've been following you for, oh my God, for a while, probably since I was 2015 um, or 16 when I started my master's program and, you know, going into ABA for me, I had been working um, with kids with autism, adults with autism for 10 years, but more in like community-based settings and not so much like clinical ABA. I was doing it all all along, but I didn't realize what I was doing. And then um, when I took my RBT and went back and realized, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, and then started my master's, I was oh, like way on over my head. And I was like, this science is so hard to understand. Oh my God, all these words. Um, so following along with your memes actually helped me be like, ah, oh, yeah, all right. Negative oh, that's awesome here. Yeah. That's awesome yeah. here. Yeah. Some people just look at them as like, oh, they're, they're just funny or whatever. I like to think people can learn from them. And then I also try to like sometimes write a little bit more and like share something that's relatable. And then another thing I find people using a lot is the memes help them with their presentations or teaching classes. They'll, use it totally. and include a concept, um, kind of get some laughs out of people and then draws their attention a little bit in. So, and I use them a lot. Whenever I do a presentation, it's full of memes because I, I think it's just an easy way to segue from topic to topic. So I, I find some value in memes. Maybe others don't, but I enjoy them. I love it also because, you know, when we started this podcast, we also wanted it to be really relatable. I mean, also so a study notes ABA and you see some of these memes and you're like, holy shit, that is so accurate. Like one of the ones the other day, it was like what most people think when they think of um, eloping and it was like a marriage picture. And then it's like what a BCBA thinks of as eloping. And it was like running after um, a client. And it was just funny. And it's like humor that you're like, that is so true. So yeah. 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 And they get a lot of reach because people share them often. So like they share it and they have followers and fans or friends on their page who aren't ABA related. And they might see it and be like, oh, what does that mean? And they might learn something, you know. So there is some dissemination to it um, just in terms of reach and spread at the very least, you know. So there's some value there. There is value. Yeah. What is your favorite meme right now? Like one of maybe your most recent ones or anyone oh, that yeah. you really have been i know i'm putting you right on the spot so which uh, one were you which one were you like i'm brilliant for this one? <laughs> like, honestly it's it's funny i'll make a meme and i'll be like this is going to slap everyone's gonna love this and then it like tanks and then i'll post like the crappiest meme and everybody loves it so like i'm still trying to get a feel but every now and again like i have a, I have a good feel for like what people generally like um 
my favorite meme, well, recent one, it actually wasn't made by me. Um, it was made by Angela Vander, something. I, I forget her name and it upsets me because I didn't know you couldn't put me on the spot and I would love to give her credit because she made the meme, originally posted it in the Cool Nerdy Kids of Behavior Analysis group, um, a group that I created, and then I shared it to Behavior Man. So it literally went viral. But people would take it and like put their own like I didn't put my watermark on it because I didn't make it and I credited her name to it. But there was a like a social worker who put it on his page, put his like uh, emblem on it, and this thing got shared far and wide. Like it got shared over a thousand times from my page alone. And then people were I'm seeing it pop up in elementary school um, things, and it was a meme about the Grinch. Like his heart is too small, so you have to rule out medical necessity oh, yeah. or something. So it was, it was probably. Based yeah, on everyone what, reposted that one. I saw everyone that in other fields. I've seen school psychologists, counselors, everybody reposted, even in like teaching forums. Um, so that may be one of the most viral ABA memes, <laughs> and I didn't even create it. So, um, her name is Kate Vandervoort Wilson. There we go. Thank you so much for looking that up. Absolutely. So, big ups to Kate for killing it with that one. Got to give okay, credit where I know that you. feeling. I so one day I was thinking. And I made this post, and this is one of those posts where I was like, I'm genius. I'm going to draw plan B and birth control, right? And it was like, it was like, and this actually will lead us into our episode today. So I drew out, I was like, okay, birth control, because I was talking about negative reinforcement. So I was thinking, yeah. okay, wouldn't birth control be um, a form of avoidance, right? Like you're avoiding, you're taking something to like avoid getting pregnant, whatever it is. And then I, okay. Everyone who's listening, I'll tell you my intentions behind it. Then I thought plan B is escape. Like at that point, I was thinking like, okay, you've done something. You have these anxious feelings now. Like, oh my God, I think I'm pregnant. I didn't want to get pregnant. So you are removed. You're escaping from those anxious feelings of um, by taking plan B. Now, this is one of those things that turned into an outrage culture, which leads us into our show today. Suddenly, I'm like, I am so brilliant. This one was so smart. I like was so proud that I drew out. I Googled what plan B looks like. I doodled the whole thing, like doodled birth control back, <laughs> took a lot of time on it. And people are like, this is completely wrong. Like, the, this is uh, like plan B is just essentially just like a stronger form of birth control. And like, that's not what I meant by it at all. Like, I was just trying to show the difference between like an analogy. Yeah, like escape yeah. versus avoidance. Like I wasn't getting into like the biology of like how it actually works. Like, you know, like how like the, uh, like I like, I don't know, whatever it was, but people started going, I mean, some people loved it and they were like, I get it now. But then some people were like, oh my God, this is so pathetic how someone who's not educated could go share something on social media and everyone now thinks um, the wrong thing about what like, it's as if you're saying that plan B is an abortion. I was like, oh my God, no, I'm not even getting into that in the slightest, please, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that is a perfect segue into what we're going to talk about today, which is outrage culture. Before we get more into it, let me talk about the behavioral principles we will be covering We'll talk about reinforcement, punishment, generalized condition reinforcers, generalization, MOs, stimulus discrimination, stimulus generalization, imitation, and rule-governed behavior. Um, I know Dia has his own thing to talk about rule-governed behavior, but either way, we're going to 
get into these different topics and I'm sure we'll cover more. That's just an idea. But um, let's talk about outrage culture. Can we operationally define it? What is outrage culture? Urban Dictionary. So this is definitely um, valid, <laughs> um, accurate. <laughs> um, Not. People play the victim card and bend over backwards to be as offended as possible when they really aren't. Um, of course, always some outrage is warranted. Absolutely. Um, having, you know, being offended um, is something. Um, what did uh, Ryan say and say to you the other day, Liat, about being offended? I love it. It was a really good one. Okay, it was. This is this is very important. We must get this one in here. Okay, awesome. it said. Okay, because someone had seen our behavior, bitches, the title, and someone had said something rude about it. Like, I can't believe our field would support people calling themselves behavior bitches. And they referred to someone else in the field, like talking mean, like, are you part of this? It was really not nice. And then he responded, I read something the other day. Offense can only be taken. It's impossible to give. Um, and that is what, and there was more to it, but that is basically what he said. The idea of that it's up to us to take offense to certain things. You know, you're not, you don't give offense. You, you, be, you, you can be offended, but you can't give offense to someone else, um, which I thought was really cool. And with that, um, with this outrage culture, um, you know, and especially I, I think when um, Dia, Casey and I were all speaking, we were saying, you know, when you put yourself on any sort of public platform, especially, you are putting yourself at risk to have people essentially hate you, hate what you're saying, um, put rude comments, you know, be offended by what you're saying. And so you kind of have to like tread on thin ice about what you're going to say. And, um, and it's a problem. It, it is a problem because this is what is being reinforced. It's like, oh yeah, I got to stand for something, which is cool. You could stand for something, but also people aren't even listening in to why someone might be saying what they're saying. It's just so much easier for them, less response effort to just be like, F you, that's so messed up. You're this, this, and this. So I think that is what, I mean, I don't think, that is what we are going to be talking about today. Yeah. And this episode should be interesting. It was a little harder to write an outline on because I think it's kind of going to be, I mean, we have some points that we definitely want to touch on. Um, but it's a, I think it's a really, really, really important topic to talk about. Yeah, can I, can I jump in for like why I wanted to talk about this? Hell yeah. So, you just have to interrupt her. She just won't go forever. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I mean, I like talkers. We're, I mean, that's what we're going to do here. We're just going to kind of have a discussion. And I hope that's what people get out of this is that we need to have discussions about these things and not just get offended and react and walk away from something because then no progress happens. So where I, why I wanted to talk about this is because I do run, like you mentioned, like online entities. We're putting ourselves out there, right? We're trying to do something good. Um, we're on a public face and as somebody who does this, I am extremely mindful of uh, trying to stay in the know of what is appropriate to say versus what's inappropriate. But it's difficult to do that because those lines are constantly redrawn. Um, the criterion is always changing. People are 
bringing up new and and sometimes very valid reasons for why we should say something or shouldn't say another thing. Um, But it's overall, it's difficult to follow. And somebody who's in that platform, I'm trying to do good. I'm trying to also be humorous. And and there's and humor is a difficult one because sometimes humor is inherently a little bit offensive. I mean, that's just um, part of some of the humor. But like, I try so hard to make Behavior Man PG. I try so hard to not offend anybody. And then every now and again, I still manage to do it. And when I see that, it, it like it really upsets me because I'm not trying to offend somebody, and it, like it hurts. Like I don't want someone. Like I feel like somebody thinks I'm a bad person because I did this thing, or I actually feel the way. Like they're offended for this reason, and they think I'm that kind of person who hates that kind of person, you know. And it and it just really upsets me because I'm not that kind of person. That was not my intent. That was not the mission. I was message I was trying to convey. And what hurts even more is when it comes from somebody in our own field. We're behavior analysts. We're supposed to be able to look at and. Say somebody's behaving in a way that's consistent with their conditioning history. So if I'm posting something that's offensive to you to say I'm a bad person is just ignoring everything that our science taught us. We're not, they're not looking at it objectively and saying, hey, his conditioning history said this is okay to say, right? And then he said it without anyone ever saying, hey, here's feedback on why maybe this isn't okay to say, right? So people jump straight to this outrage, right? Why they're so offended and they have to put it out there and it becomes this big thing. So I think I want to, we can talk about a little bit, like there's a lot you can unpack here, why that person's offended and then why they're calling it out so much as opposed to like traditional means of feedback and also like avoiding this whole, uh, or not acknowledging our whole, um, science as a whole and how we do objectively look at behavior. So that's kind of why I wanted to talk about this because my personal experience is with dealing with other people's outrage. And I also kind of want to start with a bit of a disclaimer. Um, I don't want anyone to ever think anything we say here is minimizing someone's offense to something. Because uh, people, there should be some things that shouldn't be said. Like, it's true. And we have to acknowledge that that's a fluid thing. We have to constantly reexamine it. Um, and I don't, as somebody who doesn't want to minimize it, I have been offended by a lot of things people have said. I'm personally, um, of Palestinian descent. My dad is an immigrant, uh, from Lebanon and throughout my life, I've dealt with a lot of racism and come face to face with a lot of that. And it's heartful. I've seen people who are close to me post things online that deeply hurt me. Um, so I've been on both sides of this, so I don't want anyone to think I say something and I'm minimizing your point of view because I'm not. And if if we do say anything, you can always reach out to us individually and say, hey, uh, you said this, maybe we sh- you should reconsider that. And that's something we would appreciate as opposed to um, being upset Unitive. about. Yeah, yeah. because, it, I mean, you're actually trying to be uh, constructive about it. You know, you're trying to help us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big important thing here. And one of the main messages we want to send is why outrage is bad and anti-progressive as opposed to actually being progressive because it's not because you're not actually fixing many things when you're just openly outraged as opposed to trying to have a discussion and actually make change so those that's my why i want to talk about this and my disclaimer before we get into anything so hope we don't outrage anyone um even though we're probably going to offend some people somehow even after making that disclaimer but i think i'm willing to take that risk and i think you guys are obviously if we're here because i think there's a conversation that needs to be had I completely agree. And um, I, it is so important. And I, I actually want to let people know ahead of time that in this field, we're talking about reinforcement all the time, right? About like reinforcing things we like to see. We talk about the importance of feedback when you talk about supervision and feedback. And 
you know, letting someone know what they did and, you know, giving that feedback to them. And we need to practice that in everyday life as well in terms of, you know, we see someone put a comment, whatever it is, or, um, and I just thought it was really interesting because actually when Casey and I were having our first phone call with um, Dia and, you know, initially I think you had said you're from Lebanon, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's my go-to. <laughs> that's his go-to. Okay. So exactly. And, and I remember on the phone call, you were like, at some point I had said, you know, like my husband's Israeli, like I got married in Israel, whatever it is or whatever I was saying. And so, and for anyone listening, who's not aware of the politics, this is the same land that we're talking about. We're talking about the same land and, you know, just based on our conditioning history, like we've learned it as different things. So, you know, I'll say my husband's from Israel where he's saying like his family's from Palestine, which is fine, you know, but I, I know in the beginning he was like, I didn't want to say it because I didn't want to offend you. And to be honest, it didn't offend me. But the idea that we're so scared of offending other people that, you know, let's say we're talking about the same place, okay, the same geographic location. And it's so important for us to realize like, okay, yeah, you know, we've learned this as different things. We see it differently, but overall, like how much do we have in common? <laughs> you know, yeah. we're both here trying to disseminate the science. Um, we're, you know, um, you know, we both so strongly believe in behaviorism and, you know, what Skinner's done for us. And I, I think it's really important that opposed to people, like we could still be great friends. But people, I think what they would see is immediately, like, let's say he were to post something about, you know, I don't know, whatever from, you know, one side, and then I post something else. And it's like, I could immediately go get mad about what he posted. But instead, like, we have to be able to see other people's views as well. And, and I think it's a huge, huge problem. Yeah. And that goes into just behavior analysis, conditioning history, and our individual experiences, right? I mean, we both led to different lives with different conditioning histories, which may lead to our views. But if I were to look at your views and say that defines you as a person, we can never have a conversation. We would never even be able to be here on this, on this uh, podcast doing this episode right now. And lo and behold, we're sitting here talking about outrage. So if this is a message to anyone out there, we have a Palestinian and someone who's uh, Jewish talking about outrage and we're able to do it and get along. So everyone else can get along as well. So hopefully you guys can take that as a little bit of inspiration. Seriously. It's really like I, I'm just American just being over here. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's the mediator. Yeah. The she's mediator. Basic, AF, basic AF. Um, no, I love this. You guys, when they were on the phone call, um, they were just both so passionate and, um, both just seeing each other's sides and having such a beautiful conversation. I was just more silent listening and taking it all in. Cause it's something that I'm not familiar with. My conditioning history is not theirs. Right. So I am uneducated in that. And it was nice to have like, hear that conversation between the two and then learn something that I had never learned before. Right. And cool. it, it is really, it, it, you know, we weren't even planning on talking about that when we talked about outreach culture, but then it came up and it was like, okay, this is no better <laughs> example than yeah. like both of us sitting right here talking about this. So um, it's, it's really interesting. And I think outreach culture has definitely grown with social media because you're putting stuff out there. 
you are giving it to thousands of people to see and every single person has an opinion or 10. So. Yep. And it's been like the, it's been reinforced as like the cool response to almost be outraged, especially being outraged in other people's stead. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's good to stick up for other people. Um, but sometimes it almost comes off as disingenuous. Like you're just commenting almost to get likes, you know, like, uh, I'm going to say this at the, like in the comment section, maybe unpopular opinion, because maybe other people have that same opinion. So they're going to like it as well. And then it really stands out. And then people see that and that becomes a behavior other people imitate. So it it, kind of just, it blew up with social media. It's trendy almost like this whole idea of like virtue signaling. It's trendy to be a good person out loud and in public on online. When in reality, we all have things that we do that somebody would say, okay, that makes you not a good person. Um, but we, we can cover up with it and go online and say, Hey, this is who I am. I'm this amazingly virtuous person who sticks up for this, this, and this, and this. And it just becomes super reinforced when those might not even be your real beliefs or who knows, you know, but then somebody posts something and then you go ahead and be outraged for everybody else. And that becomes just another thing that gets reinforced. So I I think it's just this uh, perpetual thing that's going to continue to happen unless we can have these conversations and say, cut it out a little bit, tone it down. And I think we'll get into those reasons a little bit more. And I think a good way to start would be to talk about a specific example, maybe of Mm -hmm. like outrage that we've seen recently, maybe even in our ABA field regarding you guys. Yeah. (laughs) So there was, yeah, there was, um, and I will tell you this before disclaimer too, for everyone. Um, you know, when we started this um, Behavior Bitches podcast, it was never, ever, ever, ever intended to offend anyone or use that term in um, a derogatory way. It was, a our, in our mind, it was an empowering, um, strong women, um, you know, two, two of us just really wanting to just um, not only spread the science in our field, but to other people too, just regular girls or guys driving down the road who want to hear some fun stuff about behavior. Um, never once. And especially for me, like I take, I'm easily, easily offended and easily, like, I don't even post on Instagram, on Facebook or anything from my personal stuff anymore. No, I don't think you're easily offended. I think you take people's criticism to heart. Like, yeah, yeah. Like Like, you're not like, like, Oh my God. Yeah. She's like, like they hate us. Ah, so now everything I do every day, like, I, I mean, even now my palms are sweaty. Like that's a physiological reaction to <laughs> even talking about this episode, right? Like, I'm like, okay, I'm clammy. <laughs> my heart's racing. Like just cause you know, open up yourself to have these conversations. Um, but just so everyone knows that was never the intention. It still never would be the intention. Um, we really use that term for empowering. Guys, we're strong. millennials. People will be like, you're a badass bitch. That's a cool thing these days. All right. Same with the word. You- yeah, if you ever have read the book Why Men Love Bitches, it's not talking about being a mean girl, bitch. It's like being an empowered ass woman. And you know what? I could call myself whatever I want. And I'm I'm not trying to offend anyone. I'm not calling any of you bitches. I'm calling myself a bitch, okay? I'll call myself whatever the hell I want. Right? Isn't this 2020? We could call <laughs> ourselves whatever we want. So yeah. So yeah, Dia, you can go into that example. That, and that's yeah, how we're so, going to kind of start this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's good to uh, do discussions with actual examples and talking about them. So on one of the popular Facebook groups, somebody posted um, in reference to um, 
the individual was helping somebody study and the person said, oh, wow, these are great real life examples. You're like a behavior bitch. And she was like, oh, should I be offended by this or whatever? Um, and a lot of people said kind of like what you said, oh, no, that's a cool term. Like we claimed it. And then I just brought up, well, I think this individual is referring to your use of real life examples being similar to those of how the behavior bitches do with their study nodes, ABA. So, I mean, I would take it as a compliment because obviously they, they appreciate that kind of thing. I don't think it has anything to do with calling you that word. Um, and then somebody like replied to me and was basically debating and saying, like one of the things that was said was basically like, okay, a man shouldn't be able to tell a woman how to feel. And I get like, I didn't want it to be like, I'm telling you how to feel <laughs> you. If you don't like the word, you don't like the word, but you openly asked if you should be upset or something about it. And I was just explaining some context, right? Cause t- context matters here. Um, so I, I believe that's what this individual meant based on the context of what you've given. So take that. And if you want to be offended or not, so be it. It's up to you, I guess. But like just the whole idea that this discussion happened and I think somebody I offended somebody by even defending you guys was like crazy to me. And I think they told you to take it to another space or something. Oh, I I don't know. I think I may even have brought that up and said maybe it should be taken another because I don't remember which group it was in. And some groups are meant to be more fun and then a debate. And I may have said, hey, maybe we need to take this to another space because I don't know. But it also goes in along with the lines where like I've, I've heard some criticism like anytime there's use of swear words and behavior analysis people don't like that and a lot of these other things and i i think what a lot of that is missing is how do we relate to some of the younger generations and and just be people you know like um scientists are great awesome people who are doing amazing things but they're not always being able to connect with the community so we need people like you two who are able to talk to people and swearing sometimes like it, it it's good like people connect with that because that they swear everyone swears well i don't want to say everyone a lot of people swear and they they enjoy that in daily conversation so if somebody's studying and they want to be able to do it in a way that more reflects how they communicate with other people it might help them with studying it might be something they appreciate and are able to listen to a little more so and i think that goes um in other areas of our field as well we need to loosen up a little bit you know learn to just talk to people as opposed to talk at them and preach to them and tell them what they should and shouldn't do and believe and all those other things and realize we all have different set of um uh opinions or preferences what we like and enjoy And those all need to be respected as well. And there may be more than one way to do things and try not to put other people down and be so offended by it or outraged, you know. Outraged. Okay. Also, one other thing I just thought of with the name behavior bitches, just saying, I thought that that, the name bitch in it would be a clear indicator that there would likely be bad words in it. Just like to set that up, like, hey, this is probably not a good thing to play out loud in a workplace if it's called behavior bitches, you know, Um, just things like that. So I thought that would be a clear indicator, but that's also been offensive to people apparently. So everyone's going to get offended. It's, It's up to you what you choose to get offended about. But also like I would encourage someone as opposed to like hating on, let's say our name, ask us why we did it, you know, like, what was your thought in that? Like when you said bitch, are you like talking about yourself as being like, are you talking about being a female dog that doesn't deserve respect? Or are you talking about like, like what did you mean by it? You know, as opposed to it's so, I think it's a matter of response effort also. It's so much easier to be like, that's fucked up instead of like being like, hey, why did you do this? And engage in a conversation. 
Yeah. Like, I'd be and happy even if to, you, even to answer. If they disagree at the end of the day, that's okay too. You know, like that's still a productive discussion. You know, at least get the other person's perspective and then go ahead. If you want to, I mean, you're going to make a judgment at the end of the day. We all judge each other and some, if we define judge, I mean, we, we have an opinion about somebody, we can't help it. Um, but try to have those discussions first, you know, and I think that's the main thing here. Um, I mean, you like when we talk about offense, right? I don't know so much you can control what you're offended by, but I think you like again, it, these are loose definitions, but I like yeah, to separate. Yeah, you can. I think you can. I, I like to separate offense versus outrage, though. Like mm-hmm. sometimes you're offended by something, but it's how you react to it that matters. And I think that's where the issue is. It's the outrage, right? Like I don't want to be offended when somebody says something racist or whatever. Um, but it hurts because it, it just reminds me of my family and how they're good people and not the thing the other person said. So I don't enjoy that. But how I react to it is what matters. How I react to it is what's going to make a difference going forward. You have to think, what do I want out of this, right? Somebody did this thing that offended me or, or upset me. What do I want? Do I want to just publicly chastise them and look like a hero? Like maybe that'll bring me some temporary relief. And maybe that is what a lot of people want. And I think that's a big issue. They just want to look awesome. But what people should want is to be able to change that behavior, right? I don't want this person to do that racist thing because it's wrong, right? So instead of being outraged and being this hero, I talk to that person. I try to understand why they posted it. Maybe they can understand why I didn't like it and and get their point of view. Because if I just say, hey, you're this horrible person, you're a racist, you posted that thing, do you think that's going to change their behavior? Or do you think they're going to defend themselves, right? Because everybody... at some level, believes they're a good person. We all have people we love. We all have people we take care of. We do nice things for people. We we have hearts, right? Uh, Wow, that was very hypothetical. (laughs) We have hearts. (laughs) The most unbehavior analytic thing I've ever said. We're going to get a little loose with this discussion, okay? So people think they're good people at the end of the day. So when you come at them saying they're a horrible person because of one thing they did or one thing they posted, they're not going to discuss with you. They're not going to listen to anything you say anymore, right? So they're not going to change their behavior. You're not going to change their views. So what is the point of any of that? And I think social media made it worse because it's now not the point of, I want to change this person. People a lot of times don't. They just want to look like that hero on social media who did this amazing thing and called this person out. They're not trying to change anything. But if you talk to somebody constructively, get their point of view, maybe just maybe you can change their views a little bit. And people are entitled to that too. We're allowed to learn or learn from their view too. Yeah. I mean, and that's part of it. And even at the end of that discussion, maybe they didn't, but maybe they go home and they, they sit on it and they, and they think about it a little more. Maybe they're able to change the way they view things a little bit. So like just another example, let's think of how we used to talk 10, 15 years ago versus how we talk now. Were we bad people? When I, I hate saying this now, but I'm just going to say it for context, but we would say, oh my God, that's so retarded. Right. right. Mm-hmm. That was probably never a good thing to say. Like it, it's wrong, wrong. Right. But it was something that was said more commonly because it wasn't brought up, right? Now, especially people in our field, we're not saying that, right? Because we understand the context behind it and why it's really offensive. But if you were to go back, you may find some, if you recorded my life, I probably said that before when I was younger. Now, if you were to go and judge me, you find some, maybe I said it online somewhere 15, 20 years ago before I was ever in this field. 20 years ago. Jeez, I wasn't online that long. (laughs) (laughs) What are you, 60? (laughs) No, my gosh. Oh, my God. No, I feel really old. I'm 31, just for disclaimer. I'm older than you. uh, But if, yeah, I feel so old. But okay, I digress. (laughs) Okay, so back to it. If you were to find that and say, oh, my gosh, look what Dia just, Dia said once upon a time, he cannot work in the field. He said this thing. He's a horrible person. You're ignoring that I had 
15 or 10 years, however many years to change my behavior. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it speaks more to a person if they can change their behavior. If I, I, I will admit, I said that word before in an appropriate context at the time, because at the time there was no, there there weren't social contingencies that dictated I shouldn't, right? There was no punishing or even any amount of feedback that would suggest my, I would not say that word. And then over time I was able to change. And And it was a cool word to use at the time. Like you didn't even probably like a lot of things. I don't think you people even know the meaning. Like I remember younger, it'd be like, like saying words like, yeah, that's so tight. That's so gay. Right. Like, yeah. I didn't even know what that was. Yeah. I, and just, and it, words it, change over time. Definitions of word. Like gay originally meant something happy, right? It, retarded means something slow. Like, and then it became a, a word used as a medical diagnosis for individuals with low IQs, right? And we even changed that. Now it's intellectual disability. And along with that, that's when we started saying, hey, let's not use that word at all anymore, right? It's not a good word to use. Exactly. But because of conditioning history and that, I, I was allowed to change my views or use of that word. My behavior changed over time because of how, how so society changes, right? But I was given that opportunity. But if you go back and look at that one thing and you quote that and say, look what Behavior Man said, what's, what's killed this guy, like that, that, I mean, that wouldn't be completely unfair. And we do that so much these days. We ignore context. We ignore conditioning history that it is so unfair and does not allow for any progress or anyone to have any opportunity to change their behavior or views, right? So that's where this whole outrage thing comes to head and just really doesn't get us anywhere. There was a point you made, and I want to just bring up, you had to mention, um, like that fact that outrage culture devalues the importance of sharing ideas and tolerating different opinions. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's say somebody says something and it offends somebody to the point that they're outraged and they, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying before and they post publicly and chastise this person. Um, again, there can't be any real discussion to be had there. You'll never be able to understand that person's views or opinions because this discussion won't exist. You'll attack them. They'll defend themselves. They'll double down on their beliefs and try to just fend you off to, mm-hmm. to make themselves look like a good person. But in, in, in that exchange, there was never any way for them to have a discussion about something to, to learn about how the other person feels or views or their opinions. And, and you're essentially saying none of that matters to that person, right? You, you don't matter because of this one thing you said. So I don't value any of that. And there's no room for growth when that occurs, right? So like I have an example, and I know we talked about it before. It was after one of the school shootings that occurred a few years ago. I don't know which one. I feel like they're happening so often these days. It's sad. We're almost desensitized to the whole thing. Um, but this one sparked a lot of um, social media conversations. And one of my, I believe it was my cousin posted something. And then I ended up getting in a debate with somebody online who was likely conservative. And again, like I make this assumption based on what he's saying, which is wrong. It's like a generalization we make. And that we'll probably talk about that too. Um, and we get in this big debate. And every time he would reply, I would reply, it'd be like a big paragraph with 10 different points each. And it would just be this back and forth that was literally going nowhere. So I decided to change it up. Let's try this different thing. And I said, hold on, pause. Let's try something really quick. I'm going to list 10 things that I think we should do with that related to gun control. These are 10 steps our government should take. And you tell me which of the 10 you agree with. So I listed 10 things. The guy replies that he agrees with seven of them and he listed them. So seven out of the 10 things 
we agreed with. That's 70%. <laughs> right. We were arguing for hours. 70% IOA, guys. Yes. This is amazing. And it literally felt like we agreed on nothing and we're getting nowhere. And we probably would have walked away from the conversation. He probably would have been like, oh, this stupid liberal. And I would have been like, oh, this stubborn conservative. He doesn't want – and thinking the other person doesn't actually care about progress or these kids' lives or any of that. When in reality, we actually agreed on seven steps out of ten. Like – that's insane to me. Like, imagine we were actually politicians who were in charge of signing a new legislation and we didn't have that. Hey, what do we agree on conversation? We literally only had the debate and we just attacked each other and literally no way, no legislation would have been passed. No lives would have been saved. No progress would have been made. But instead we said, Hey, what do we agree on? What are some steps we can take that, that reflect both of our values? And, and we both are making concerted effort to try to save lives. And we come up with seven things. Maybe I'm not happy because there are three things that I didn't get passed, but seven things got passed. And then two years from now, we can have a conversation again. Okay, this is the new data we have after our seven changes. What's I'm going to list 10 more things that I think we should do, and you tell me more. So that's a way towards progress. What do we have in common? What are we agreeing with as opposed to disagreeing with? And instead of me thinking, oh, my gosh, this Trump-loving guy, right, I'm going to hate him. No, we actually had a productive conversation and would have been able to accomplish something if we were in that position. But at least... In terms of views, we were able to share each other's views and opinions. So I, I think that's a good exercise everybody can try to do. I think when that's really cool. Yeah. You know, what, what are we actually agreeing with, right? I, I mean, sometimes it's more fun to just argue, but where are you getting with any of that? But, you know. And I think people like generalize in general. So like what I generalize in general. Um, hey. hey <laughs> but what I think is interesting always, and to be honest, I am, it's, I, I do not feel I am educated enough to like take a political stand on either side. So I'm just going to be straight with that. And I do not follow politics so well. So people could be like, Leah, you're an ignorant idiot. Go for it. Whatever you want. Outrage. Um, but what, what's fascinating to me, for example, is, okay, so I always see this and I'm like, okay, Trump won the election, right? He won the election. He's the president. But... I'm I'm wondering, like, I feel like if someone were to say, I love Trump, it's literally social suicide. Yeah. And because there's generalization, and again, I, I'm, I'm not just saying this to keep myself safe. I actually, like, really don't, like, have, I'm sure, like, if you ask me about certain topics, I could choose a side, but I, like, I don't know enough to say which way I go. But um, it's interesting to me because I'm like, okay, this guy won. So, like, there's obviously a majority of people who voted for him. Well, but technically not a majority. He won the electorate, yeah. not the majority. Oh, see, I'm an idiot. Okay, so whatever. Okay, it's so he's so <laughs> still an insane amount of people voted for the guy. So no, yeah. I'm saying almost okay, half the sorry. country. I'm, okay, so again, I told you I'm stupid with this, but point is that he is our president. Okay, right now, yeah. that that that's a fact we could agree on. IOA agreed. He's the president sure. currently. I, I but, think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for example, if someone were to post something about Trump. It's, let's say, like, it's automatically people might overgeneralize, like, that person's a racist, that person hates these people, this person, yep. um, you know, wants to take away people's rights of this and that, as opposed, like, but, but it's interesting to me that it's, you know, it's been, like, the behavior of hating someone, let's say, has been reinforced, so people jump on with it. I'm not saying he doesn't do a lot of dumbass shit. Like that's, I think that has some IOA too. <laughs> um, 
but 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 what's interesting to me is let's say someone did have an opinion and it was for a certain reason like let's say for them it was like i own this company and it's really going to affect me in x way or whatever it is but like people wouldn't ask that they would overgeneralize and be like this is a racist asshole let's all like ruin his reputation his like social media presence and i actually i will post the article um in the show notes but there was something here that was saying there's a professor um his name is michael barube i might have said that wrong he's a professor of literature at penn state and he states that in social media what's known as quote unquote call out call out culture and quote unquote ally theater is which people demonstrate their bona bona fides as allies of a vulnerable population often produces a swell on of out of online outrage that demands a post or tweet be taken down or deleted and then another professor lisa nakamura a professor at the university of michigan describes cancel culture as a cultural boycott adding that when you deprive someone of your attention you're depriving them of a livelihood so like this literally can ruin people if you have a social platform you could literally be destroyed. Like if someone saw your video from a long time ago, your permanent product of saying like, oh, that was so retarded, what happened? Like people could literally ruin your livelihood as opposed to being like, were you just a dumb 14 year old who had no idea what it meant, yeah. right? Or just, is that what everyone said? And it wasn't socially offensive to right. the general public, you know, like at the time. Exactly. But they're not going to do that. They're going to compare it to today's context. Most of the time, maybe I'm generalizing too. I would say a lot of people would do that though, which is unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, and, and then, okay. So the last thing that I thought was interesting from, and I, I will post all this, there's a social psychologist, psychologist, Jonathan Haidt, and he had said this culture, this call out culture originates from what the author refers to as safetyism on campuses, on college campuses, which teaches students to see words as violence and to interpret ideas and speakers as safe versus dangerous rather than what they're saying as being merely true versus false like we're we're automatically going into this oh my god this is this is dangerous what this person is saying as a like again as opposed to just being like hey let's hear this person out <laughs> yeah yeah and i think politics has a big uh, hand in what of this divide so you have your conservatives and your uh liberals or Republican, Democrat, what have you, and there's like a line down the center. And what typically happens is conservatives will create this fictionalized person of ideals, right? This person uh, is all about family and values and kindness and, and history and tradition. And then uh, Democrats do the same. We're about uh, rights and progress and, and, and all those things. So they, they paint this picture of what a good person should be. And then the other side attacks the other person because they don't agree with specific values. Oh, well, they, they're a racist and uh, they don't a baby killer, whatever, back and forth. So what happens is when you run into somebody with one view, they're automatically going to generalize it to all those other ideals, good and bad, right, to the other side. So like when I talk to people, a lot of times they assume I'm either Democrat or Republican based on one thing I've said, which I, I tend to be someone who identifies as independent, who leans liberal. Um, for a lot of social issues, but I don't like being classified some way because of one thing I said. And a lot of times when I'm talking to somebody, I like to just try to bring up um, the opposite argument just for discussion sake so we can kind of learn and, and progress a little bit. But people generally just jump to that conclusion. You are this because you said that. And then again, that comes back to this whole outrage and 
and being conditioned to respond that way when somebody has an opposing view than you do. So again, we're getting nowhere when we have that line of thinking. And my, uh, one of the final questions I was having for you is where do we go from here? And you kind of already got into that with saying, well, what do we agree on? Can we just break that down of taking into account another person's opinion versus being offended and taking it like what behaviors can we engage in again? And, and I think you said that, but I, I just think it was really powerful that you said, like, let's talk about all these seven points. Like, which of these do we agree on? Right? Like, yeah, we, we could be from like, you know, like the same way we said, okay, you're Palestinian. Like I'm, you know, saying like my family, like part of my family is Israeli, whatever it is, but like, Hey dude, what do we agree on? Like, okay. Literally this entire science, which we talk about all day, like that's huge. We agree on that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I just think it's so important for all of us to see what we have in common as opposed to, and and try learn guys, try learn from each other. I mean, we're always learning, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I just think that's so, so, so important. Yeah. And another thing you could do is you don't always have to discuss a specific topic with somebody first and foremost just see that they're a person like if you were to just meet a random person at a bar and have a drink with them and just start talking about game of thrones or other things you have in common you'll probably like that person but if you started the conversation talking about politics and you have opposing views you're automatically going to generalize all these horrible things on that person and not like any of those things so if you come from a place where understanding that hey this is a good person they have similar interests that i do i'm you'd be way more likely to value what they have to say on anything in general, you know? So I think that's an important thing as well is learn to like the person first. That's completely unrelated to the topic at hand. Right. Pair with them. We talk about pairing with people, pair with them, figure out what you guys both like in common before you get into some heat. And also one last point that I was just thinking is people, people have a, lot of balls to say things on social media, right? As opposed to like, would you say these things to someone like that you're this asshole person? Like, would you necessarily say that someone's face? I feel like people, when they're behind a computer or a cell phone, will say a lot of things. And I think that we should take that into consideration. Also, like, this is still a human behind the screen that you're speaking to, you know, like it's, yeah. I mean, it brings me back to being bullied when I was younger. The things these girls would say behind like text messages, I was like, I mean, yeah, now I'm hard. like, yeah, it hurts. Um, so I think I, people need to yeah. also respond on the opposite end to defend the against the outrage a little bit. Maybe like you don't have to rally against them and be outraged that they were outraged, but you can just say, hey, can we take a step back here and analyze this a little bit? Because I think a lot of times people bring up it's not intention that matters it's how it was received and a lot of that is i get it It, that makes a lot of sense but intention does matter as well intention is literally conditioning history think about it the person intended this i mean it's loosely speaking somebody intended this message to be sent um yes it was received this way but as a behavior analyst i can understand why they said that because their conditioning history occasioned that response right? So intention matters a little bit. And it also takes away uh, a little bit of the, um, I don't know, assigning blame or saying that they're a horrible person or just attacking their character. Just assume for a second, hey, maybe they didn't mean to offend, or maybe they just wanted to be funny, 
you know, maybe they didn't want to do this horrible thing. So instead of getting outraged and making them hate you for hating them, you know, just take a step back and be like, you know what? They didn't mean it that way. I know. And here's maybe another side of it to consider for the future. And hey, extinction's always an option, my friends. If you want, you could also not respond at all. You and you go. could also take an antecedent intervention and you could unfollow someone. So guys, there's other interventions you could do too, but we were just giving you some if you feel like you need to engage. Um, but also extinction is a powerful force. Let me tell you, friends, it's amazing what you could do. <laughs> But you just have to make sure everyone's putting out an extinction for it to work. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. That well. <laughs> Someone's <laughs> always going to respond. But at least for you, it'll, it's good for your own sanity, I think, to just sometimes keep scrolling and stay out of it. You know, and a lot of people do do that. And I think that's better because that avoids the outrage. You know, me too. And matching law. I got other shit to do. I can't be arguing with people all day. You know, like <laughs> I got, I got yeah. more exciting stuff to do. But, um, I'm so glad we were able to have this conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. And I, you, you brought me. the topic to us. And I think it's so important. And I hope, again, that it's received well by all of you. We did not mean to offend anyone. We just wanted to open up a dialogue of communication and creating a, you know, a progressive culture of learning. So Thank you so, so, so much, Dia. You're the busiest behavior man I ever met. To get you scheduled was impossible. So <laughs> He woke up extra early this morning. He did awesome. So yeah, we really, really appreciate this. And we're, um, I'm happy that we're, we've been forming this kind of friendship and you know, professional relationship. It's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I love being on here. And uh, if you guys ever wanna do something again, I'm, I'm open to it, so. Awesome, thanks, Dia. We'd love that. Thank you so much. As always, thanks for tuning in. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Love you. Mean it. Hey guys, it's Liat. And Casey. We just want to take a second to let you know that if you're thinking of being a millennial like us and starting your own podcast, there is a way. You can do your show without having to become an audio editing and production wizard. Because guess what? We don't know shit with that. But we have Alan at Pretty Easy Podcast who helped us get started. He records our shows. He posts them. He adds awesome, awesome music and cool shit when we don't even know what he's doing. He sends us teaser episodes. He does it all. We just sit here and friggin' talk. We shoot the shit and you can record from home, your office, the park, a bathroom stall at work. It doesn't matter. He provides the complete podcast studio. All you need is a microphone and you're good. Alan caters to your schedule and gives you a producer for your show at your beck and call. He has been super flexible with our schedule. Whenever we need super. him, we go to Google Calendar. We just book him. And he does all the hard work. It's like so incredibly easy. That's why it's probably called Pretty Easy Podcast. So be heard and have some fun podcasting like us. Go to prettyeasypodcast.com today. Mm -hmm.